Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Essay Voices from the Field. Each week we aim to bring you the true stories of student affairs. Over the course of this podcast, we hope to bring you both voices that feel like they are telling your own story and those that bring you stories you've never heard before. The podcast with expert guests and practical advice. Get ready to learn and become the best higher ed professional you can be. Welcome to Student Affairs Voices from the Field. I am your host, Dr. Corliss Bennett, and I am happy to have you here. The podcast is sponsored by NASPA, and today I am excited to have my colleague, my friend, Ms. Kratia Townsend, and let's just, just dive right into Ms. Kratia. How are you today? Hello, Corliss. Thank you for having me today. I am doing extremely well. So what the purpose of the podcast is really to share your experience with our membership about what your involvement with NASPA. But before we get into the NASPA part, let's hear a little background on you, meaning give us a little bit about your institution, what you do, a little bit about the institution, size-wise, population, where it's located. Sure. Um, so a little bit about me. I have been in the field for just over 14 years, and I'm currently at Washington and Lee University, and I am the director of the Office of Inclusion and Engagement. Washington and Lee as an institution is a small, private, selective institution. We have about 1,800 undergrads, and we also have a law school here. It is a predominantly white institution. And my main responsibilities are doing things that cultivate and nurture diversity and inclusion on campus. Okay, so you would be basically as the diversity officer per se, or is there another diversity officer? We actually have a dean also that's uh, a level above me. And so that person oversees things from more of a a strategic level. As far as your position, what exactly is your piece when you talk about diversity and trying to make the campus aware? So I am the person that works with students, staff, and faculty to be able to bring about change when it comes programmatically, to do campus discussions and facilitate different discourse on campus to be able to talk about diversity. I think that's one of the things that a lot of campuses don't do enough of. I think we have a lot of events but they don't necessarily talk about diversity in the ways that they should. And so that's one of the things that I do is to make sure that our campus is engaged in conversations around inclusion. So tell us a little bit about your NASPA experience. I have been involved with NASPA since 2007. And actually, Corliss, you're one of the people that got me actively involved. And so it's kind of full circle here to be able to have this experience and conversation with you. In 2007, I switched over from another major student affairs organization. And it was my first year at NASPA. And I was able to just kind of see what the AKC, connect with the AKC and see what that was about as far as a young professional starting off in her career. And so got involved with the AKC on a level of of the communications committee. And so I helped to write newsletters, helped to create the city guide, and just really started on that kind of ground level of AKC. Fast forward to where I am today, I'm national chair. And so this is, I'm actually in my second term of chairship, co-chairs with you the first time, and then I am chair now. So I will be going out of office in March 2018 or 2019 and passing that gavel on to Lorraine Acker and Demetrius Gary. So pretty excited to have them come on behind me and be able to see the great things that they're going to do as well. I'm glad you mentioned that because the African-American knowledge community, also known as the AAKC, like the other, I probably have at least close to 30 KC's knowledge communities. It becomes kind of a mentorship situation when you're when you're dealing with the KC's and, and speaking to other KC's but specifically for the AAKC, since I was directly involved, 
I remember us having breakfast and you coming to me saying, you know, I've been working with you guys because I know that um, under my leadership, we had started the city guide and you were responsible for getting the information and helping us write it up. And I remember having breakfast with you and you were like, I'm thinking about running, you know, for chair. And I was like, yes, yes, you know, because I had been the chair for like seven years. My, myself and Jim Hill kind of started, we were the second chair after the beginning of the KCs, which started in 2007. And I believe I came on in like right around in there after coming from being the Region 6 AAKC person. And so I know that KCs tend to have that membership where we're mentoring each other, we're encouraging each other. Talk a little bit about what you've seen over the years when it comes to mentorship, encouragement, things of that nature. I think that, and I don't want to go make this an academic conversation, but studies show the value in mentoring. And mentoring looks a lot of different ways. It's not just that person that is in the senior level position that mentors, but it's also lateral mentoring. Um, then you can also learn from folks that are younger than you. So I, I think that with AKC, you see all levels of mentoring happening. And that's really important. My own experience, I have literally, like I said, started off in those entry level positions within AKC, writing up for a newsletter, then being a part of the executive board on a smaller level and then running for co-chair with you and then kind of staying on the board because chairs really, it's interesting. We don't ever really leave because we're always there to support each other. So even now in my chairship, Jim is still on calls. He comes on calls. I have Raphael, who's a past chair, come on calls. And I'm sure I'll stay on calls for Lorraine and Demetrius. So it's a continuous support system for folks within student affairs. You're absolutely correct. And I know when the KC started, you know, we were all trying to, you know, come together to actually it was 2003. Now that I think about it, because we were responsible with a couple of other KCs to develop NASPA's Multicultural Institute. And I remember the first institute was in Las Vegas in, I believe, 2005. So now that I've kind of dated back a little bit. So starting with the KCs in 03, 2003, and building upon that, you're absolutely right about how the mentoring piece can be lateral, it can be above, below, younger, older, but it's really about our experiences. So sometimes we may have someone that's younger than us, but have been a dean, you know, for 10 years. Not saying that we're that old and that that's the case, but <laughs> but the, the point is that mentorship is very important. And I recall after starting the KCs in 2003, and I'm not sure, if, can't remember when we actually met, it just seems like forever, but I'm not sure, were you at the Denver 2004 conference? Because that's when they started the African-American Women's Summit. No, I was not. In 2004, I'm you trying to get me to give away my age, but before I was not involved with NASPA. I am a faculty member currently on the African-American Women's Summit. And so I help along with a team of other really talented, gifted women come up with a curriculum to be able to enrich other Black women who come to NASPA looking for professional development opportunities. So and that's been really, really rewarding. Yeah, exciting. So, and I was leading to that because I knew you were faculty. So basically for years, there's always had been an African-American male summit. And so some of the women in leadership and some of the women that were involved in NASPA said, well, you know, we need one. So that first one was in 04 in Denver. And I believe that was the first time 
that we had over 400 black professionals, men and women. It just blew me away because, you know, it's unfortunately we're, you know, we're working at PWIs, predominantly white institutions. And so we see each other and we see the Tony Rosses and we see the Michael Jacksons and those folks who began as a pre-conference. And ever since then, the pre-conference for the African-American men and the African-American women's summit has really just blown up to the point where we both went for as participants and then you became faculty and then I actually was highlighted with the group as far as a speaker for the conference. And so it just kind of evolves. And so with the African-American Women's Summit, I knew that both of us had been participants and then grew into, I was actually on the panel. I think that was your first year as faculty when I was on the panel. This was way back. I can't even think of the year or or the location. But I was on the panel about mentoring with other sisters because we have where we come up with our own group that we mentor each other. And I believe you were either assistant faculty at that time. But tell us how you then grew into the faculty position, being able to actually plan the African-American Women's Summit? So I think being a part of the faculty is a classic example of mentoring. I have been going to the summit as a participant, I want to say since 2008. So for a while there, I just kind of soaked in all the information. And then a lot of times when you go to this, you just start to just look forward to being in the presence of your sisters and the company of your sisters. And, and with us, with a lot of us working at predominantly white institutions, this is the first time and the only time during an academic year that we're surrounded by this many black women. And it's just kind of, you feel loved on. And so as a result of kind of coming to this year after year and, and just um, being mentored by some of the other faculty members that started the program or started the summit, Back in 2004, I worked with them to be able to kind of do different things behind the scene. And then, you know, organically was able to become faculty with doing different things that were a part of making the day the successes that it is, that it, you know, that it has been for all these years. And with the summit, we're, we're the largest pre-conference, from my understanding, that NASPA has. And we're one of the longest standing pre-conferences as well. And so every year we just, we have a really robust turnout of more than a hundred people. And I'm saying a hundred people, and that's really on the low end. Um, but we have at least a hundred people who are showing up to not only be a part of it, but other folks that are just stopping by just to say, hey, we see you, we support you, give it, let's exchange business cards and allow me to mentor you. So it's almost like that gift that just keeps on giving. Exactly. And I think, and the reason why I'm talking so much about the summit, because the summit is in direct correlation with the AAKC, because I know at the summit, like you said, being a pre-conference, we always mention, and by the way, if you want to get involved, please get involved with the African-American knowledge community where you can get a mentor, where you can get that support and have those year-long relationships so that when you come back to NASPA in March, you're excited about seeing everyone, just like you mentioned. And so the reason why I'm talking so much about the summit, because it really is a direct correlation. And I believe at one point, or I know that, I'm not sure if we still do, but I believe at one point we started to help sponsor the African-American Men's Summit, African-American Women's Summit reception that Sunday night, correct? Is that still happening? The receptions are like one of the largest attended socials that NASPA has beyond the opening ceremonies type of thing. Like last year at our African-American Men and Women's Summit reception, we had 1,200 people there. And so whatever we do, although it says African-American knowledge community, of course, it's open to anyone regardless of race, ethnicity, gender, orientation, and so on and so forth. And so at our reception, we have, it's just a room full of people who are saying that, you know, I want to be around folks that embody 
and embrace diversity. I want to support. I'm looking for staff members that are diverse in their backgrounds. And so it's just a great way to be able to network, um, to be able to find mentors because everyone's just really just looking to connect at that, at that, at those types of events. Absolutely. And you're right. It definitely was the absolute largest. And now, and I didn't get to go, um, unfortunately, last year to NASPA. So to hear that it's grown to 1200, because I remember those little small rooms we used to have, and we're all sweating. It's like, okay, why do they give us this little tiny room, knowing that we're growing? And I think NASPA finally caught on. And now there's, you know, the last time I was there, which was 17, I believe was 18. Yeah, I didn't go to 18. It was large then. And I was like, and I remember coming up to you saying, finally, they gave us a room that's big enough for everyone. And you're absolutely right. Because again, the knowledge communities um, are there to um, educate on the things that we do, share ideas, share who has programs, proposals, or, or I should say that. And I know AKC sponsors certain presentations throughout the conference. Can you tell us a little bit about the process of picking or showcasing the presentations um, presentations that we select for the annual conference. So as a KC, every KC is allowed to select up to three conference proposals that they want to select as their highlights for the national conference. We don't have to select three, but there's always usually so many well-written proposals that capture what we're hoping to be able to get for this year. Now, I don't have the ones that we have selected. I don't know them off the top of my head, but I know that they fo- one focuses on HBCU, another one focuses on women, and another one focuses on, I'm forgetting this area. So we have a committee that will overlook everyone that selects, I want to be considered as a sponsor session by this KC. And so all of those folks, so let's say 75 people say that they want to be considered. The committee reads over them. They discuss it between themselves as, as to, is this being able to service the constituency the best? Meaning like, does this right here represent who our constituents identify as? And so whether that's working at an HBCU, whether that's a male or female, or whether it's gender issues or LGBT and so on and so forth. And so every year we try to switch it up and make sure that we're having a representation of the folks that we represent with the KC. And so that's how they're selected. Another opportunity that I wanted to bring up is we are launching a new thing within AKC and NASPA, and it's called the Ujima Institute. And it is a opportunity for Black student affairs professionals to advance with their career growth and personal growth. And so it will be happening November 2019. So I'm really excited about this. More information will be available on NASPA's site in the next month or so. And applications will go live in the latter part of April, first part of May. And so this is similar to Escalera's Institute. There's also an Asian Pacific Islander Institute that is coming this year. And so this will be an opportunity for folks to be able to engage in professional development and career advancement and personal growth. Wonderful. And so, and that's um, scheduled for November of 2019, correct? And tell me the name of it again. Ujima. Oh, part of Kwanzaa. Yes. So the AAKC was responsible for naming it and creating it or how did that, what's that process that you did for that. Yeah, so there are two chairs that are working on this. It's myself and Dr. David Jones from Rutgers University. And so we came up with the name of the institute. But we, I mean, this has been something that has been on the hearts of AKC members and just other seasoned Black professionals within NASPA to be as an offering 
for black professionals within student affairs. So we can't take all the credit for it. This is a this is a little bit of everybody's dream and baby. But David and I are the ones that are chairing this institute. So we're really excited about this. It's going to have an engaging format. We are trying to connect people that is a lifetime connection. So not just for this institute, we're going to connect them beforehand. We're going to co- get connected at the institute. And also hopefully that will lead to connections that follow after the institute. And again, talking about connections, and you mentioned it when you spoke about the reception the first night with the AAKC and these different summits. And like you said, what's really exciting is there are non-African Americans that come to the reception. And again, it's because they believe in what we do and they believe in what we are trying to do as far as the connection is there. And so it becomes a worldwide because of course, you know, NASPA members are worldwide. But what makes it exciting is it's not just about being African American. And I think that's what makes NASPA so great in the sense of having institutes like the one that you're going to be hosting as well as the Multicultural Institute and the fact that that room be, is, is, is primarily Black, very colorful in the sense of having these connections. And you also mentioned one of the things, too, was that folks are looking for people to start at their institutions. There are jobs always, people are, you know, you're, you're talking to someone and you're actually pre-interviewing and you don't even know it, you know? <laughs> So that makes it nice when when we're able to connect in that way, kind of an informal connection, but yet you don't realize you're being interviewed and then someone says, hey, you know, I have a such and such institution. I think you'd be great for it. And then you start talking about it. But folks don't realize that when you're making these connections at the reception, when you're making these connections at the summits, when you're making these connections at the AAKC general meetings, we are really making serious connections. Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about the structure of your general meeting where you have that mentoring aspect, that encouraging aspect, that mentoring and helping folks to see that this is a place that they need to be? So at our business meeting, we can expect anywhere from 100 to 160 people there. And so that's a pretty big crowd when you think about how do you make meaningful connections with folks when it's that big of a a crowd. And so what we do is we try to incorporate some of the things that we are familiar with within student affairs. A little bit of icebreakers, but not the icebreakers that are the touchy-feely residence life and nothing against residence life because that was my background at one time. But we break folks up into regions. And so this is very intentional to be able to connect folks in regions to be able to have folks that are more likely to be able to get together in person after the conference. So we start off with an activity that allows us to meet in regions. And then we have those folks while they're in those groups come up with what does your region need? And then not only are they talking to people in their region, but they're also talking to their regional rep, which is the person that oversees that region. And so it informs the different programs, the different drive-ins, the different professional development opportunities and, and conference days that happens in that region. And so that's an intentional way that we get people together, even in these large groups. We also so, so throughout the, the meeting, we talk about some of the things that have happened throughout the nation within a different region. So it gives people an idea to see how they can see themselves connecting or where they can get involved. We also do an award ceremony where we recognize folks for jobs well done. And I think, you know, I'm always encouraging people to to step up and nominate people who have made a difference in their lives. And especially when it comes to leadership, African-American Black leadership, because oftentimes we find that we're not represented 
in the awards. And so um, it's important to be able to have that as a part of what we do. We also talk about public policy. We come up with ideas to create webinars. And so people are able to buy into what we're doing because they're very much a part of the decisions that we make. And so by the time folks leave our business meeting, they have connected with several people. There's not that kind of awkward shyness from folks because they've talked to people. And so it really does come out feeling like you left family reunion and taking care of business at the same time. Exactly. And that and that's what's so important about the AAKC. It does feel like each year it's a family reunion. You're seeing your cousin from California and your <laughs> and your nephew from New Orleans and such right. and such over in Chicago. And and it does have that family reunion feel. So as we begin to wrap up, and, and hopefully I'm, I'm going to ask this question because it seems to be hypersensitive and in the news, at least here on the West Coast, hazing. That has come up a lot. We had a male that was killed just last semester trying to gain membership in one of our Divine Nine African-American founded fraternities and sororities. In this case, it was a fraternity. And that fraternity is on oratorium. We are both members of historically black founded sororities. And so I was waiting to see if one of those highlights was going to be about hazing. I don't know if there are any presentations about hazing, but Briefly, can you kind of, have you guys talked about it at the AAKC meeting on that general level while you have everyone in the room? Just curious. That's a great question. We haven't talked about it in one of the business meetings, but behind the scenes, I have talked to professionals that are writing, so scholars that are writing about it. And I'll just say Jason Merriweather does a, a lot of writing on hazing and prevention. And also Rashid Cromwell also does a number of different things. And so I've talked with both of those gentlemen about what can we do. And I know that they have came out with a couple of different books and chapters within books that addresses that. And so we actually had Jason serve as our author this year. So every year a KC gets a chance to be able to publicize or put forth an article to go into the KC journal that comes out for the conference. And so Dr. Merriweather is actually our, our author for this session coming up. And so I know that there's they will be at the conference and they will be talking about hazing and they will be talking about MPHC as a part of when they talk about Greek life. So it is definitely a hot topic. It is definitely something that has come into the national discourse, not only for MPHC organizations, but Greek life in general. And so um, I think it's an important topic. And just because you brought it up, I'll make sure that I share it with my board to put it on the docket to talk about it sometime this year. Yes, I appreciate that. And like you said, it's not just an African-American founded organization. I just heard on the news recently that there was someone killed. I can't remember the in, the um, institution, but I believe it was on the news just a couple nights ago about another fraternity um, that a student, a student that was doing the process was killed. And so it is a hot topic for all uh, Greek letter organizations. And so I'm glad that the AAKC will kind of take a, take a, a, a a bigger stand in making sure that we're talking about it at the national conventions and we're sharing best practices from our campuses about these hazing issues. And just in case our listeners are wondering what MPHC stands for, it's the National Panhellenic Council, which is the council of the nine African-American founded, or like we like to say, black Greek letter organizations. Just so I wanted to, you know, when you say our acronyms, people are like, what's that? So I wanted to make sure that I made that clear as to, you know, what MPHC stands for. And a lot of our members in AAKC are Greek letter, are part of the Greek letter organization. So it's definitely something that 
obviously it's not going to go away if, if, you know, once or twice a year you hear something about a hazing event gone wrong. But I'm glad that you will be taking it to your board for this March um, because it is a hot topic and it's a scary topic. It's a scary topic thinking about all of us who are involved with MPAC organizations joined it because of the principles that, you know, our founders started. And I mean, the oldest organization is Alpha Phi Alpha and it was started back in um, 1906. And so when you think about an organization that has uh, over a hundred and what is that, 12, 113 years um, we have done a lot of growth and this is for all the organizations. We've done a lot of, had a lot of growth in our organizations. Um, but we also have had a lot of lessons learned and some of them have been learned the hard way. And so, yeah, it is a time to be able to take a, a more closer look at that as professionals, but also just within our organization on a personal level too. So yeah, I think that's a, definitely a worthy topic to explore. And I think that may be even a, a good connection for your um, Ujima to maybe even bring up at that end Institute because I think a lot of our young professionals who are getting into student affairs, as well as, you know, student affairs clearly encompasses Greek letter organization advisors, offices that are over fraternities and sorority leadership and so forth, that, you know, maybe AAKC can be on the forefront of making sure that our members are professionally developed in that topic and and maybe are able to bring in speakers, are able to speak on behalf of their campus about what we are all doing as far as best practices, because I think it's clearly not going away. And you did mention our founders of our organizations did not, that was not a part of their process. And it was about leadership. It was about community involvement. It was about social action. And so I think things have turned and, and I'm glad that the AAKC will be on top of it, especially when it comes to black Greek letter organizations. I think that's a great thing to maybe look at and taking it to the next level. As you said, you've got authors who are, are writing about it. We Folks are working on their dissertations. And there's a lot of research now that's surfacing because of the things that are happening at this time. Well, that is our time. Thank you very much for sharing your information about the African-American knowledge community, how it connects with the African-American Women's Summit and Men's Summit and know that whenever there is a national convention that usually happens in March, there's always a pre-conference for African-American men and a pre-conference for African-American women, which now we know that Kratia is part of the faculty. We look forward to seeing you at upcoming national conventions at the conference, as well as being a part of the AAKC. Like you said, it's a big family and everyone still stays, even if you're not the chair, even if I'm not the chair, there's still that those connections that happen. And that's probably why we are the largest standing organization within the KCs, the largest attended, largest meetings, largest receptions, and we're going to continue to grow. And thank you for your leadership these last few years and the years when we served together to make AAKC stand out amongst the rest. Well, thank you so much, Chloe, for having me. And thank you for the role of mentorship that you played in my life, that you play in a lot of people's lives. You get a lot of people involved. And I think your warm and, and welcoming personality allows people to just kind of get drawn in. And then they're able to see where they're places within the KC or wherever else in NASPA. So thank you again for this opportunity and for all you've been within the field of higher ed. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. We are going to say goodbye for now, and I'm sure we'll see each other soon at one of the conventions or institutes and regional conferences and all the things that NASPA does. And I definitely appreciate your time and please continue having a great day.
Thanks for listening to Student Affairs Voices from the Field. If you enjoyed your time with us, tell a friend. If there's a topic you want us to discuss, let us know. If you want to be a guest, tell us your story. Email us at essayvoices at naspa.org. You can find all our info at naspa.org slash essayvoices. See you next time. Thank you.